hi, I'm Krishna Patel. I am the director of Tides and one of the co-founders of Theatre of Diversion. And I'm here with Ravika, who's my good friend of many years, um, who will be doing some work on Tides with us. Hello. Yes, I'm Ravika. Um, I'm a singer, um, songwriter, producer, anything that is music. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love um, to make and create music um, based on the sounds up here in North Queensland and really inspired by um, our nature, our ocean, our reef, our rainforest. Um, and so I like to take that visual into my head and just create sounds that I think that would just suit um, the atmosphere when I'm standing on a beach or in the rainforest. Um, so I'm really excited to be a part of this project and um, I've definitely thought a lot about the ocean and, and creating songs that would capture that um, that ebb and, ebb and flow and like just the magic of, of water um, and I was really fascinated by this this project when Krishna approached me so I've had a really good time just playing around with ideas creating sounds for it and um, it's coming on yeah <laughs> and I think it's interesting because like obviously we've known each other basically forever yeah but it was a different <laughs> different like environment a different relationship when we were sitting together and like working together i thought yeah because the brief i gave you was so vague <laughs> but at the same time because i don't know i feel like because we know each other we knew what we were talking about which was really good to have in a working relationship yeah. for context the brief that i gave Rebecca was so it's sort of like um a bond song meets like hannah montana <laughs> theme song do you know what I, like it was so strange and vague but she just got it which is really really nice <laughs> i have no idea how because that was a lot of ideas that you oh, had and yeah. i was like cool okay we could do this and then it was like and then this and i'm like all right look i'll just see i'll just try and see what happens play it around with something and i was like mm, not sure <laughs> send it to you yeah and you were like yep this is exactly wanted what i wanted so i think like melodically i was super like yeah she's gonna get it like it'll be <laughs> fine um but i think i was a little more kind of like picky i guess about the lyrics that were gonna come out of the work because it is super it it, it straddles this line between being um like a serious thing and very like uh, an exploration, a kind of moral exploration of all these different issues, um, particularly to do with like heritage and um, kind of the value of things, which can get quite deep, those kinds of debates. It's a bit of a pun there for all you <laughs> funny people. Um, and like just like having it being like, you know, at the end of the day, it is a drama, it is a relationship drama about, you know, um, people and re repairing relationships so it needed to have both of those like resonances it couldn't be just like doom and gloom and like political talking it had to be like also a personal very like a, an exploration of that kind of human side of it as well and I think like the lyrics that ended up um, coming out of it were just the right balance and, and really kind of poignant and to the point so what, like, what were you thinking about when you sat down and, like, wrote them? And put it together? I literally approached it the way I would approach um, composing anything for my for Ravika is um, I thought about the ocean. Um, I actually, even though you gave me a brief that had, you know, tons of ideas, I was really connecting with um, 
the story that you told me, the ideas, I thought about, you know, the whole the whole thing. Yeah. Just and so I loved that idea that you were telling me and I was just really I was kinda of working towards that. I think it really does play into the central kind of ideas and themes that I was trying to get across in the play. And it is very inspired by works that I've like read at university. Um, the one that you're talking about is Turner by David Dabberdeen. Um, I read him last year at university and the idea, it was a, it was a book about <laughs> Atlantic slave trade and the incident you're particularly referring to is um, this painting um, that was painted by this guy called Turner. Um, that Dabidin then reacted to because the criticism of this painting, um, well, not the criticism, the critics reacted to this painting saying, oh, what beautiful colours, they're really evocative, failing to um, address the actual subject of the poem, which was slaves being thrown overboard. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason these slaves were being thrown overboard is because um, they were seen as cargo on this ship that they were tra was travelling across the Atlantic. And for insurance reasons, it was more profitable for the owners of the ship to kind of lose some cargo and get an insurance payout that was valued more highly than the lives of these people because they were literally treated as cargo. That is a whole other can of worms that mm. I will break down some other time. <laughs> but the beautiful imagery in the poem really addressed this idea of that part of history because it was human, because they... The, these people were perceived to have no value. They dissolved into the sea. They weren't gold. They weren't, you know, things that were physical and could last forever at the bottom of the ocean. They were people. And because they were flesh and bone, they just, them and their secrets, their lives, their stories just dissolved into the ocean, mm. which was really, really confronting. And it had so many kind of echoes in the episodes that I read, like the historical accounts of, the um, SS Gottenberg, which is the main historical point for the story, because many of the accounts that you hear from the Gottenberg is in the aftermath when people figured out that there was a shipwreck, that human lives had been lost. The main attempts to go back and recover were for the gold these people left behind. All we have as a record of that wreck are the names of the people who died, or went missing or nobody knows like what happened presumably they died mm -hmm. but the salvage attempts that were made were just to go get the gold that they couldn't have anymore and there was a bit of lobbying and there was all this um you know attention placed on who would have the rights to this gold like who, you know people would go back find this gold and who did it belong to and that was the main concern <laughs> not the loss of human life and i think there was one guy who was so desperate to get something of value out of this ship that he would fish for sharks and would dig the human remains out of them in case they had rings or watches wow. or gold bands like this is wow. how desperate people were to get hold of the, the value on this broken piece of human existence um and the lives that were lost just uh, dissolved really there's so little attention paid to them or um the stories of the people that died are so little known it makes me wonder like is that what will become of us at some point in the future yeah. what's gonna what will still be around yeah it, it's a scary thing though i think we almost have an opposite but equal problem in our current 
age and that, that I think will continue into the future. And that is one of oversaturation. I think the idea of the sea, you know, dissolving voices and stories yeah. is slightly akin to the way that we produce information nowadays, the way that our world is constantly being monitored, recorded, analyzed for reasons of commerce, for reasons of po politic, all these kinds of things. And it's difficult for a single person's existence to be, you know, found and, and solidified in this kind of ocean of data and, you know, stream that we have put out there. Crazy. It is just a mass, just a mass of this, this cloud that we're living in of technology. At this, like, on one hand, there are so many voices there, but at the same time, they're being completely lost because of the over-proliferation, the over-saturation of this information, which is another thing that I'm really keen to, like, explore and look at in Tides, the idea that, right, you know, in the past, there was just loss of voices, but in the future, there's just going to be so many that yeah. the same effect is achieved. What else did you think about in terms of, like the melodic components we talked a lot about like how to make oceany noises um, yeah. um, in the track i definitely um also really took a liking to the bond idea because it, there's always such an eerie suspense there's like this um i don't want to get too like musically analytical <laughs> but it's like um there's like a certain um there's different chord like um movements and like behaviors that I, I like to pay attention to when i listen to different styles of music that sort of kind of align with that bond vibe which is like even in billy eilish's music today um yeah there's just that just that eeriness and so i wanted to get that a little bit but then also give it that that free-flowing feeling and that like put that ebb and flow in there um what I really like to use is a lot of um, synth pads and just a lot of different synth sounds. So um, I found a really weird, like, I don't, I don't know what the name of the synth is, but I found this synth and I, I thought it kind of fit like um, that curious vibe. And then I had to put in some marimbas because whenever I use marimbas, it just makes me think of the beach. It makes me think of. Um, Rainforest, so I just wanted to have that rainforest meets reef vibe still. So I put that in there, um, and you know some some layered vocals. I think it like definitely is a difficult um, track to produce, given that the setting of the place is the future. Yeah. What do you think? Like, do you think that your track reflects a progression in music, or do you think that it's kind of like, in terms of music of the future, where do you think we're headed? <laughs> Man, it's really hard to know, but we're always, music has always moved with technology, and I think the only, the only futuristic instrument that I know of today has, has just been synth, um, that's carried out since, you know, the 70s, the 80s, it's still very popular, it's prominent, now we're going vintage, um, future sounds. How far in the future are we? 50 years. 50 years. A lot can happen in 50 years. Yeah. Think 50 years back, where were yeah, we? We were like... I wonder. 70s. And look how far <laughs> music has come since then. Like... Yeah. Yeah. 
Man, that's a, it's a tough question. It is something that I think about a lot and I just really don't know. Are people going to value, um, people are going to still value, um, I guess instruments the same. I don't know if people are going to be recording instruments the same. Is everything going to be all MIDI and digital? Because I feel like we're moving in that direction already. You can get drum kits that are, they sound like real drums, but they're all electronic mm. now. Um, a lot of live shows, um, pretty much everything is done to track, even if, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that musicians aren't playing, um, but everything is, is fed through like a computer, there are different sounds. Um, the band that I used to be in, we were an electronic band, so we had um, everything all plugged into like interfaces and computers on stage. My guitar, like I was playing a real electric guitar, but I didn't carry an amp around. I was plugged into a computer and all of our sound effects were just put onto the guitar, treated as if it was like a, a MIDI like keyboard instrument or something. Wow, cool. And so, yeah, and like getting these versatile sounds is so much easier now. Everything's accessible. Um, even with vocals, you can do lots of crazy things with vocals on stage. So um, it's really affected how we, how we make and record music today. So um, yeah, I'm really curious as to where we're headed in 50 years. I just yeah. don't know. I should probably have some idea, but I don't. <laughs> yeah. I think music is a really good time capsule as well. Um, yeah. Just in terms of looking at, well, they kind of feed into each other, don't they? Music and technology, just to see how far we've mm. come. It's really interesting to watch how music has changed and how that reflects the technology, but vice versa. You can look at, you know, the emergence of technology through how it's used in music. And mm. It's an interesting relationship between the two of them. Mm. Even socially, social, like, whatever's happening, like, really um, plays into music as well. I can't even, like, current artists today, I can't, I don't know, like, I, I hear the way that they write and the way that they um, lyricize, it's just, the language is so different. Mm. Um, the language is almost invented by the music, it's, again, it's just, yeah. like, the relationship between them. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, I'm trying to think of an example. But, like, someone says something in a song and suddenly it's the buzzword. Yeah. Like, nobody can stop saying WAP at the moment. Oh, 100%. It's, it's crazy, right? Because I'll say WAP in this, in this discussion right now. And, you know, however long from now, two weeks from now, uh, two years from now, we'll be yeah. able to pinpoint exactly where we were. Using that word. That word. Because it's the word of the moment. Yeah. Really. Yeah. I really hope that, like, I think with music, even though it is moving forward, nothing really ever goes out of style. Yeah. You know, we're always recreating sounds from, like, the 1920s, you know, the 80s and the 90s is really in at the moment. Um, in another decade, it'll be, like, the 2000s. People will be recreating that. You know, everyone's... Nothing is ever really... I feel like music is time is still timeless. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing about it. Yeah, so I feel like even in the future, people will still be making stuff from now. But um, man, I'm really looking forward to creating more sounds for it and um, helping build like an atmosphere and um, stuff.
stuff around your stories and your characters and I think like we definitely chose the right person to do this because <laughs> I don't know the sound that Ruby creates embodies the tropics it embodies Townsville and that's what Tides is about too it's about capturing our, our hometown this space that we're in and um, just kind of not fantasizing but just um, I don't know what I'm trying to say like deciding really deciding is the word where it's going to go what our future in this space is going to look like and I'm really glad that it's your soundtrack that we're doing that too because I don't think anyone could capture it as authentically um, how does your experience in creating music help you encapsulate the ocean do you think I, because I grew up here, I guess the ocean is just part of, I feel really connected with it because I spent a lot of time near the water. My, even through like, my ancestral like history, going back to Fiji, where my family is from, um, and having that islander background. I feel connected in, in so many ways, spiritually, to like my roots. And, you know, I grew up playing at the beach or, or being on the boat, going to the islands, driving along the coast on road trips. I feel a sense of calm if I'm at a beach. And when I was, when I had the idea for Ravika as a project, it started out as simple as me struggling to go to bed. Like I had anxiety or I just couldn't sleep, you know, on some nights at, at uni in Sydney. So I was in the city studying music a couple of years ago. And I'm in the city. There is like, it takes a long time to get to a nice beach. And so I didn't, I didn't get to be in that environment, environment anymore, just having easy access to nature or a beach. And so I was so deprived of that. And I didn't know why I was so restless. I didn't know why I felt tense all the time and anxious and why I couldn't go to sleep. Um, and then you and I took a trip to Santa, Santorini with our families. Oh yeah. You remember that? Years ago. Yeah. Oh that my was God. my escape from eight, beauty. Eight years eight ago. Eight years ago. Wow. <laughs> we were in Santorini and I just remember that hotel we stayed at yeah. was on the water's edge. It was on the lower opposite side of Santorini. Yeah. And I just remember the stillness and I took this one photo and I felt so calm. And then it would have been like, you know, I was back in Sydney and I had found this song and immediately all I could think about was that one spot in Santorini that we were at. And this song had just like a, it had a very relaxation, ocean meditative type sound, but there was no sounds of ocean in it. It was just a male vocal and it was all layers. And underneath that was like a synthesizer and a guitar that was kind of sliding up and down, but it just made me feel like I wasn't, was just there. And I was like changing my breathing pattern to this song, like I was really using it as a meditative practice. And so every night from that, like in that month period that I was feeling restless, I would listen to this song and I would just wind down and I would visualize myself at the beach. Um, and then I thought about making music like that. It just made me feel so good. And I just thought, I really want to, I want to make music that feels like I'm at, at the beach or in nature because I missed it so much um, and then yeah that's that's pretty much how Ravika even started so I guess I've been wanting to tell 
or at least capture capture the capture the ocean as to how I've always seen it or how it's kind of been there throughout my life um, as just this sense of calm or I don't know I feel like it covers pretty much every feeling and um, experience in my life whether that's just like family ties or I just need that to wind down it's interesting because um, you know we were talking about this idea that the vintage is coming back into fashion in some ways and in some ways it always has it is just a recycling but it's the idea of like in the future there may be a direction going towards you know the synths and even the creation of sounds that are that particular like specifically and deliberately unnatural but also the bringing of the natural sphere into you know people's lives as places become less in nature and less natural become more populated become more metropolitan there is going to be a desire for that connection with nature COVID taught us that if nothing else mm. that people need to get outside that mm -hmm. people crave that connection to the natural um and do you think music will be one way that people can use to connect with the natural world absolutely absolutely um i don't know if that's an in thing right now but it's something that i've been obsessing over since since i had this Ravika idea when i when i did come up with it i was thinking I want my music to inspire people to come and visit North Queensland. I want to show them what this is because, you know, there are people who don't even know what, you know, the top half of Queensland look like. Mm. Looks like. It's a so super I, underrated area. Honestly. Like, <laughs> so I talk to people from down south and, you know, if you say Queensland, they say, oh yeah, Brisbane, Gold Coast. And that's pretty much what they, that's what they know about Queensland. And I always like I've never asked anyone but I just want to ask someone like the question what is the oldest living rainforest in the world and I just feel like they would say it's the Amazon but it's actually the Daintree mm. okay and I feel like people probably don't know that um, but also like since I've since I've you know created um, Ravika's identity and I've posted you know on Instagram I make sure I, I post a lot of, um, I really like to showcase everything that we have here from like oh, yeah. just our trees to like that crab at Cardwell. There are, there are people who really haven't visited. <laughs> the crab at Cardwell, yeah, iconic. Like people don't even, you know, yeah. like I want to show them what it is. And then I have people like, wow, I really need to come. And I'm like, yeah, you don't even have to go overseas. You can come this. here and see like this all used to oh, be connected 100%. to our, yeah. you know, um, islands like Papua New Guinea and like you know we have the same flora and fauna we still have all of that yeah you know you can come here and see what it's like it literally is you know port douglas you don't have to go to hawaii like it's oh yeah it's you it's know right on your it's doorstep. really quiet and mm. there's like i went to mission beach on the weekend no one was like the beach was really calm and quiet yeah. whereas like you go to beaches in main areas and it's usually overpopulated it doesn't happen here it's amazing honestly it's such a it's such a good idea to want to make music that reflects our environment um that speaks for nature or speaks for yeah you know whatever it is music that's what music is for oh 100% you know it is like i said it is just a time capsule yeah and i think it's really interesting to capture um the townsville that we're living in currently because you know at the end of the day we're currently the the voice and the perspective and the deciders of what's going to happen in mm. this town and it'll be interesting to look back in 50 years time 
and perceive our times as they are now. Um, I think it's, yeah, just interesting to consider, like, how the, you know, the landscape of today, how we perceive council of today, mm-hmm. you know, the political opinions that the majority of the town have, what people prioritise here, um, the, you know, whether people view it as the gem that it really is. Because I know 20 years ago, you know, still holds the stigma of the name Brownsville. And, yeah. you know, ever since the floods, it's kind of, you know, things... It, it Townsville, unfortunately, has had a lot of attention drawn its way for negative reasons. But, you know, my hope is that in the future, um, it will have a more positive um, reputation, appearance, um, pride associated with it. Which is great because, you know, it's people like you that are creating music to showcase it mm. and to highlight the parts of it that we almost take for granted that are so like necessary and important um and my hope is that tides will add to that i think you know, so. the the vision of townsville that's not some trumped up media version of it it's the authentic you know voices of the town that will hopefully create the future but it'll be interesting i don't know in 50 years time to look back and do a back to the future and see what we thought the future was going to look like yeah. and how it actually is. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I really love that. You know, it's, it definitely annoys me that we have this, um, this reputation of not only being Brownsville, but being, you know, Redneck. Oh, you know, Bougainville. Yeah. Um, when there's so many creatives up here, um, Definitely. I think this is such an underrated space for creative arts. Like, a lot of... There are so many really innovative, interesting artists in Townsville. Yeah. Um, The music scene here is extraordinary, for a start. But you also have, like, Dance North, which is an amazing contemporary dance company. The best... Well, one of the best in Australia, but possibly I'm biased. (laughs) Um, And, you know, Umbrella Studios is a great space that curates, like such a range of different artists Perk Tucker is another amazing space um, but we yeah I think it's so encouraging that things like NASA are occurring oh my gosh yeah and these opportunities are really going to create a hub out of this space I think we're going to have more artists and I just I feel like less people are going to feel the need to move to big cities to make their dreams happen Yeah, you know we really want that to happen up here like I think, like, yeah, it's definitely an outdated stereotype that there's no culture or, you know, anything like that in Townsville because the more you... You just have to really, like, keep your eyes open, to be honest. Like, the presence of, of history and heritage and, and innovation and culture in Townsville is there. It's always been there. Mm. We just drive past it without a second thought. Yeah. Like, it was even, like, last night, um, we were out um, on Flinders Street walking past some old buildings, and we came across one, and we were like, this is a really, really old, yep. beautiful building. And we've always walked past it without a second thought. But there is there is information <laughs> right beside the building about it talking about why it exists, you know, what its, you know, what its um, function was, its architectural style, what it, you know, what it meant to the people of Townsville in its time. And it's just interesting because I never would have thought to seek that out before Tides. Mm. So this has actually been an eye-opener for me. I've lived here my whole life, born here, raised here, and suddenly I'm learning all these new things about Townsville that... I just, you know, took for granted, drove past every day, walked past every day, and just thought, yeah, that's just been there forever, and that's just how it is. 
It's so interesting what happens when you like open your eyes, dig a little mm-hmm. deeper. Even that like bunker up at Castle Hill. Oh yeah. You, we weren't able to access that before, were we? That was closed, right? I'm sure it was. Yeah. Yeah. And even just like yeah, bunker. All the World War Two, um, like history is super interesting. But even preceding that, like the maritime history, is so little known in Townsville. We have knowledge of Yongala which is probably one of the most famous shipwrecks in the world, but Townsville has so many more than Yongala that are just very, like, there's so little known about them, there's so little attention paid to them, when in reality their stories and their histories are just as interesting. I would argue, well, maybe because I just like the story of the Gottenberg so much, that Gottenberg is something that's quite unique and quite um, narrative in a sense like it's very easy to tell a story about it because it's just such an interesting wreck and the aftermath and like it's it's significance i think is quite a strange and interesting one Mm. well thank you very much for joining me and sharing a little bit of yourself and your involvement with the project and i can't wait for people to hear what you've put together because they're gonna really love it (laughs) and it's just yeah the perfect and proper way to send this project into the world i think awesome thank you it's been my pleasure um thanks so much for having me on board no it's really great to be able to contribute a little piece of myself to this project and for it to just kind of fit so naturally and um i feel like we've just been connected like you and i have known each other for a long time but now we found another piece of our in our lives to just like yeah bond it's and create such a over. full circle moment it's actually. so great yeah it's really nice and you can follow me or find me at Ravika Island on Instagram, Twitter, um, SoundCloud. It's Ravika on Spotify. Ankle Deep is produced by Theatre of Diversion. This episode featured Krishna Patel as the interviewer and local artist Ravika as the featured guest. It was recorded and edited by Alicia Young. Music and sound design by Alicia Young and credited artists. Graphic design by Krishna Patel and Alicia Young. A special thank you to Townsville City Council and the Regional Arts Development Fund for funding our first project, Tides, coming soon. Stay tuned and up to date via our socials at Theatre of Diversion or our website, theatreofdiversion.weebly.com. See you soon.